This speaks about the messianic hope that he had for himself and his people. And ultimately, Moses' messianic hope not only changed the course of his own life, but his nation as well. Yet God would take another 40 years to prepare this man that he would use to lead his people out of Egypt. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So Father, we thank you for this day you've given us, a time to gather together to worship you, to look into your Word. So tonight, Lord, we ask that you would be with our church body, those who are suffering. We pray for healing for those who are sick, those, Lord, who are struggling with just the times that we find ourselves in. I pray, Lord, for your peace to be upon them. And be with us tonight, Lord, as we look into your word. And as we learn from your word this evening, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. So tonight we're beginning the book of Exodus, and we're going to be looking at chapters 1 and 2 in the book of Exodus and learning about Moses and the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and heading toward the promised land. We will find as we go through the book of Exodus that they would actually depart from the land of Egypt 430 years to the day. From the day that they entered in, on that same day they went out. And so a lot of years had went by, and we discover that Joseph is no longer remembered. And I found this very interesting, largely because of what we see going on in our own nation today. So let's go ahead and just get into the text and learn from God's word tonight. Verses 5 and 6, Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked up along the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maids to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. Nothing like a crying baby to pull at the hearts of a wannabe mom. And she had compassion on him. And this is one of the Hebrew children, she said. So the timing was perfect. Of course, it was God's timing in this whole thing. Now Miriam's watching, and she immediately came over to the princess and said, verses 7 through 9, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? Hint, hint, kind of 
directing it a little bit here. And the daughter said to her, go. And so the maiden went and called the child's mother. God is just hilarious in how he does things sometimes. And then Pharaoh's daughter said to Moses' mom, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. In verse 10, the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And so she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. So once winged, possibly around the age of three, Moses became the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. She named him Moses, a name that means drawn out, or he who draws out. Of course, we know that God was always behind the scene working in Moses' life. Stephen wrote about this account in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 17 through 22. Stephen would say, And when the time came of the promise drew near, which God has sworn to Abraham, and the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with the people. He oppressed our fathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God. And he was brought up in his father's house for three months. And when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in word and deed. So this takes us, verse 10, to 40 years of Moses' life. He was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, was mighty in words and deeds. Josephus, the Jewish historian, wrote of Moses victoriously leading an Egyptian army against the Ethiopians who had come and defeated the Egyptians and subjugated their people. And Moses, as the Ethiopians left Egypt to go back to their land, Josephus writes about Moses taking a, a shortcut across the wilderness of, I think, uh, poisonous snakes or something. It's been a while since I read this. But he actually took the Egyptian army through a shortcut. He beat the Ethiopian army back to their own land and so was able to not only conquer them, but recover everything that had been lost. So there are outside of the Bible, historical events that uh, Moses was truly, as Scripture said in Acts 7.22, learned in the wisdom of the Egyptians, being a man mighty in words and deeds. The Lord was working all things together for good years before Moses would ever have a relationship with God. God was there watching over the life of Moses from being a child to being raised up in the household of an Egyptian princess, the daughter of Pharaoh. It reminds us, as the Lord spoke to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5, saying to him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctify you. I had ordained you to be a prophet of God. And it might not be that we have been ordained to be prophets or preachers or priests or missionaries, but God has created 
us for his purpose, to fulfill his divine purposes in our lives. So 11 through 15, we find that it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens and saw an Egyptian beating one of the Hebrews of his brethren. So Moses went out in his 40th year. According to Stephen again in Acts 7.25, the Bible teaches us that Moses supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. So at 40 years old, this tells me in Acts chapter 7, verse 25, that Moses had an inkling of the call of God upon his life. And he attempted to fulfill that call by killing one Egyptian. Having the idea of God's call upon his life, the Bible tells us, verse 12, Moses looked this way and that. And when he saw no one, he killed an Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Some have said about this verse that Moses looked this way and that, but he forgot to look up before he killed the Egyptian. On the following day, when he returned to that area and saw two Hebrew brethren fighting one another, he tried to correct them and they responded to him. Verse 13 through 15. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to one of who had done wrong, why are you striking your companion? And then he said, who made you the prince and the judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. So after the hearing that the, his killing was known, that the Pharaoh sought to take his life, Moses fled into Midian. Now the author of Hebrews had a few things to say about this as well. Hebrews eleven twenty four through 27. I got to tell you, it's often good when you can read an account in the Bible and then you can find other places in the Bible. We'll read from the Psalms. We'll read from the book of Acts, I already have. And here in Hebrews 11, 24 and 27, we got the commentary of God's word. It says, Hebrews eleven twenty four by faith Moses... When he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to his reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now Moses could have lived out his days in Egypt in pleasure, in wealth, and in great renown. Yet he esteemed the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Think about this. Moses was a Hebrew child. Well, how would they know that he was a Hebrew child? Well, according to Hebrew law, on the eighth day, he was to be circumcised. So just think of Moses running around with all of his Egyptian friends, 
he had one thing that stood out, although he no doubt wore clothing, but he knew he was different because of the circumcision. And that's something that being raised by an Egyptian mother could not take away from him. He knew that he was different. Somehow, the rearing in his mother's house as a young boy, a baby, how much knowledge he gained during that time, it's hard to say, but he esteemed the riches of Christ greater treasures than that of Egypt. This speaks about the messianic hope that he had for himself and his people. And ultimately, Moses' messianic hope not only changed the course of his own life, but his nation as well. Yet God would take another 40 years to prepare this man that he would use to lead his people out of Egypt. So it was, verses 16 through 22. Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Verse 17, then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. So after Moses arrived in Midian, he sat by the well, he saw the daughters come out and fill up the troughs that they could water their flocks. And then some mean shepherds came along and kicked the women away. They wanted to take advantage of the filled troughs, but Moses stood up against the shepherds. He caused them to depart. He watered the flocks of the Midian priest. Verses 18 through 22 And when they came, the daughters came to Ruel, their father. He said, how is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Then Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Zephorah, his daughter, to Moses. She bore him a son. He called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in the foreign land. And so after hearing of an Egyptian rescuing, so he still looked like an Egyptian. He may have been Hebrew on the inside, in the flesh, but he looked like an Egyptian in his attire, his dress, And probably uh, walk like an Egyptian, talk like an Egyptian. You can sing the song later. Jethro, though, so two names given to uh, Moses' father-in-law in in Scripture, Ruel and Jethro. Either one, he invited Moses to come into his house. When Moses was content to stay, he gave him his eldest daughter. She bore him a son, which means, Gershom means sojourner. For the next 40 years, God enrolled Moses in the Midian Desert Institute. He had the wisdom of Egypt, but he needed more than the wisdom of Egypt to lead the children of Israel. He had to learn the ways of a shepherd. And the one way to do that was to become a shepherd. God would also use this time to humble Moses. And after he would graduate from the Midian Desert Institute, Moses would no longer believe that he could deliver the children of Israel. In fact, we'll learn next week 
that he would tell the Lord, send someone else. See, when Moses was 40 years old, he thought, man, I could do this. I could be Israel's deliverer. And God said, nope, you're not ready yet. Let's wait another 40 years. Now at 80 years old, God would have him right where he needed him. The word of God tells us in 1 Peter 5, 6, to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. And sometime God takes time to work through our lives in order that he can prepare us for the future work that he'd have for us. I still remember to this day three men coming on a midweek service and I believe they only came to church once. Two of the men announcing regarding the one man that he's our pastor he's been called into ministry i don't know you know why they needed to, to announce that to me or uh, what they were up to as i said i don't think i ever saw them after this one wednesday night meeting i responded to that call of ministry i said you know from the time the lord called me into ministry until i became the pastor of this church 11 years had to go by and I saw the guy who had been called into ministry, just his shoulders kind of shrink down. There you go, John, encouraging the uh, brothers. But it's true. Sometimes God has to take time to work in our lives in order to prepare us for the future work that he'd have for us. And sometimes we try to get ahead of God. At the age of 40, Moses was trying to get ahead of God. At the age of 80, Moses couldn't even keep up with God and what God was going to do through him. Now, this closes out with just a great word concerning God himself. Four words that are significant to me in verses 23 through 25 are the words heard, remembered, look, and acknowledged. The word of God tells us, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. They cried out, and their cry came up to God because of their bondage. In verse 24, so God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. God heard, God remembered, God looked, God acknowledged now, God had not forgotten. It's not that God needed to be reminded, but what this passage is telling us, that God was getting ready to act in behalf of his people. In Psalm 105, verses 42 through 45, the psalmist speaks about this time. He says, For God remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant, and he brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles, and they inherited the labor of the nations, that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise the Lord. God remembered. Well, that word for God remembering is like not trying to make God remember. He knows all things. But it's actually telling us that God is about to do a work. In Acts 7.35, Stephen would say, This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you ruler and judge? 
is the one that God sent to be ruler and to deliver the hand of the angels who appeared to him in the brush. Before Israel could be delivered out of their bondage, they first had to receive their deliverer. At the age of 40, they rejected Moses. And Moses thought they had understood that God had sent him to deliver them. But the second time, and Stephen points this out, the second time, then they received their Savior. For them at that time, it was talking about Moses. But the same is true for us today, that in order for us to be delivered from the bondage of sin, we first must receive our deliverer. And that deliverer is Jesus Christ himself. Here on Wednesday evenings at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, I've been for the last year going through the ABCs of salvation. And I'd like to just run through those with you right now. The A stands for admit. Admit to God that you are a sinner and ask for his forgiveness. In Romans 3.23, it tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But in 1 John 1.9, the word of God tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to admit to God that we are sinners. Secondly, we need to believe. The B, standing for believe. Believe in the work that Jesus did upon the cross, his death, burial, resurrection, and receive that gift of salvation. In Romans 5, 8, it tells us, but God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. I love Romans 5, 8, that it is written in present tense. I would assume if I was writing Romans, if I was Paul, I would have written but God demonstrated his own love toward us. Past tense, the demonstration of Christ on the cross being that demonstration, of course. But that's not how it's written. It's in present tense. God demonstrates to this day, God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the C is for confess. Confess your faith in Jesus Christ. Share that faith with others. The word of God tells us in Romans 10 verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For the heart one believes unto righteousness with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And Romans 10, 13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, you know that I, I love going through your word. I love the account given to us of Moses and the Exodus. And such great moments of faith being displayed. But also we learn tonight times when Moses' faith wasn't so great. When he actually ran instead of standing strong. But even in this, we understand through your word tonight, Lord, that he needed to run for a time, for a season, because there was more that you needed to teach him. He needed to become a shepherd, that he might shepherd your people. Lord, I don't know exactly where each of us might be in our lives tonight. We might be in the process of that learning period.
You have a plan for us, that I believe and that I trust. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to be willing to learn, to look into your word, to grow in faith, that we might serve you in the day and age that you have placed us in. Lord, it is not a mistake that we live in this very hour that we find ourselves in, in a world, Lord, that is just confused. Lord, you have given us faith in Jesus. So help us to be a people of faith and to be a light to others around us. I pray for those, Lord, who are sick. Pray for those who are suffering. As we began tonight, Lord, with those who have recently passed away, some of the pastors in the Calvary Chapel movement, Lord, they've gone to be with you. Lord, I pray that you would be with those families and just bless them. Bless us, Lord. Be with our families as well. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. And may we have the excitement of those children down there. <laughs> Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. <laughs>